Well, good afternoon, everyone. It's uh, good to be back with you again. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Tim. I usually am over at Kingsgrove in the morning with my family, but I have the joy of joining you today and bring John 5 to you. Um, So, it's good to be here. And I love being here. Last time I was here, it was great. That's why I'm glad to be here again. You will have to excuse me, however, because uh, as the timing works out just right, I have gotten a cold in the last two days. So if I'm sniffly or snorty, I apologise. But that being said, let's get straight on with it. Now, if we know what's going to happen in the future, it affects what we do now, right? Let me give you an example so you're all on the same page. If you're going to work tomorrow or you're going to uni tomorrow, and I imagine that's most of us are in that boat, you're probably not going to stay up all night tonight doing just whatever, probably watching YouTube or something. Or if it looks like it's going to rain later, in the morning when you leave the house, you grab an umbrella and take it with you. If you know what's going to happen, you live now accordingly. You act now for the future. And I reckon this idea, it works for our whole life. If we know what's going to happen at the very end of our life, if we know what's going to happen, if we know what's going to happen after we die, it changes how we live life. We live life differently. So, for example, if you believe in karma and reincarnation, you spend your life doing what is good and doing as little evil as possible so that you can have the best reincarnation life. That makes sense? If you believe that nothing comes after this life, that you live and that you die and that that's it, then you're probably going to live to make this life as good and as meaningful as possible. The only problem is, we are not very good at predicting what happens after we die. We can't be sure, most of us are not confident. In fact, half the time we can't even get the weather right, so how can we have any confidence we know what happens after we die? What confidence do you have that you know what happens after this life? Now, today as we look at John chapter 5, I want to show you that we can actually have confidence. We can know. And not just know, but we can see what options lie ahead of us. And we can choose the good one and not the bad one, whatever those two things may be. Now, as we work this out together, we're actually going to see Jesus... And we're going to see that He's more beautiful, more wonderful, bigger, more amazing than we could ever have imagined. We're going to look at God and see that He is much more complex, much more wonderful than we could ever have thought up by ourselves. We're going to see that Jesus is God, that He is the Son of the Father. So how about I pray for us now as we spend our time in John chapter 5 together. Let's pray. Father God, I pray now that as we come into your word and as we hear it and listen to it, that you would help me to speak the truth, help me speak the truth in love. Pray for everyone here that you give them sharp minds to think critically, to hear your voice in the word and we pray that your spirit would go out into each of our hearts, that you would change us, that you change our convictions and that you change our actions in light of your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, we started the reading in verse 16. It'll be very helpful for us to just have a rough idea of what happens in the first half of the chapter. 
So chapter 5 begins with Jesus, he's in Jerusalem, he's by this pool in Jerusalem and surrounding this whole pool are sick people, people who are unwell, those who are paralysed, probably lepers, um, people with all kinds of disease and sickness. There was one guy there who'd been paralysed for 38 years, 38 years paralysed. And the people, they surrounded this particular pool because they thought that from time to time an angel would come down and stir up the water. And if you could be the first in the water when the angel got there, you'd be healed, miraculously healed. And so they'd all wait there for the water to stir and as soon as it did, they'd like make a break for it and the first one in would win. So Jesus, he goes up to this paralysed guy and he says something a little strange. Check this, he says, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? He asks a man who's sitting by this pool, hoping to get in, who's been paralysed for 38 years, do you want to get well? That's a little weird, don't you think? Of course he wants to get well, Jesus. Of course he does. Can't you see where he is? Can't you see what's happening around him? But then Jesus, he completely heals this man. He says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And this paralysed man, he does it. He gets up, he picks up his mat and he walks off. What a miracle, paralysed for 38 years and he's walking. Now, a little while later, Jesus finds this guy again. They're in the temple and Jesus runs into this guy and he says another strange thing to him. He says, stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. What could be worse than being paralysed for 38 years? What could be worse than that? Don't you know he's already had a tough life? Surely nothing worse can happen to him. But this guy, he's actually not really listening. You see, what Jesus had done when he healed this man is he'd broken the law. It was a Sabbath day and on the Sabbath day you couldn't work, you couldn't even heal, even miraculously. And the Jewish leaders, they were on this guy's back saying, tell us who healed you, who healed you, tell us now. And this guy, he throws Jesus under the bus and he says, Look, Jesus healed me, go harass him. And in verse 16, where we pick up, that's the start of Jesus' conversation with these Jewish leaders. And so, as we see this conversation unfold, this will be our first point. So, if you're following along in one of those bulletins, the first point, like father, like son, we will see that Jesus is equal with God, but he's also dependent on God as a son to a father. So come with me to verse 16 and let's read this together. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defence, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this very reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. So Jesus was calling God his own father. Jesus had done that a little bit already, actually. So they probably kind of expected that he would call God his father. And in fact, the Jews may have called God their father, but they wouldn't have called God their own personal father. They would have said he's the father of the nation. They might say God is our father together. But Jesus calls God his own father. And even when Jesus says, my father is at work to this very day, The Jews, they probably would have been on board with that. Yeah, they understood that God was at work. Back in Genesis 2, God rests on the seventh day of creation. 
And that seventh day rest hasn't ended. He still rests. But that doesn't mean God has stopped working. If God had stopped working, the whole universe would have fallen to bits by now. God holds everything together. And that is his work. He still works, even when he's resting, even on the Sabbath. So God, he can break Sabbath law because he's God. He makes law for man, but not for himself. And so when Jesus says, my father is at work to this very day, and I too am working, he's saying, well, God can work because he's God, but I can work as well because I am God too, because I am God. Jesus says he does what God does because he is God. And when the Jews hear this, they think, wait a minute, there's only one God and you're not that God. You're claiming to be some other God, some different God. And that's why they try and kill him. But Jesus doesn't ever claim to be another God. Jesus never says he's some other God who is in competition or opposed to the Jewish God. In fact, Jesus claims to be the very same God, the same God that the Jews worship. And as Jesus goes on, he reveals that God is bigger, more complex, more wonderful than the Jews had ever imagined. Come with me and let's have a look in verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. So Jesus paints this picture of a father who apprentices his son. For a long time in history, it was the practice of fathers to take their sons as apprentices and they'd teach their sons the family trade. So if your dad's a baker, he would take you as a baker's apprentice and you would be a baker. Or if your dad's a blacksmith, he'd take you as a blacksmithing apprentice and you would be a blacksmith. And just like this, God the Father takes God the Son as an apprentice and teaches him the family trade. He shows him his work so that Jesus can only do the work that God shows him. Jesus isn't another God, Jesus is the same God. But the God that the Jews worship is Father and Son, both totally equal, but Jesus has the role of Son, the Father has the role of Father. The Son does the work of the Father, so if the Father works on the Sabbath, Jesus works on the Sabbath. Now, as the Father apprentices a Son, He shows Him His work, so the question is, what work has God the Father shown God the Son? And that brings us to our second point. So again, in your handouts, if you look under the heading, the life of the Son. And the work that God gives Him to do is the work of giving life and the work of of judging, the work of giving life and the work of judging. Come with me to verse 21. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom He is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one and has entrusted all judgment to the Son. So here we see two kinds of work. First, Jesus is given life to give out. Second, he's judge of the world, life and judge. That first one, Jesus is given life, 
He's given the power to give life to whom He's pleased to give it. In verse 26, we see the reason why Jesus has this life to give out. Jesus says, For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself. God has life in Himself. What does that mean? Well, that means that God does not rely on anyone else to be alive. He does not rely on anything else to be alive. Not like us, we rely on lots to be alive. Ultimately, we rely on God to keep us alive. But God doesn't need anything else to live. If the universe wasn't around, God would still live. And that's the same for Jesus. Jesus has life in Himself, and so Jesus gives life in the same way that God does. This is why Jesus asked the paralyzed man, do you want to get well? Jesus is asking, do you want your life back? Do you want your life restored to you? Because I can do that. I can give you life. I can heal you. And then Jesus shows him by saying, get up, take your mat and walk. Now, the second work is judging. God has made Jesus the judge the one who judges all people. In verse 22, we saw that God delegates the work of judging to His Son. The Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. So again, when Jesus says to this paralyzed man, sin no more so that nothing worse will happen to you, Jesus is saying it because He is the judge. He is the one who will bring judgment on this man if he continues to sin. He knows that If this man sins, Jesus' role will be to condemn him. Jesus does what the Father has instructed him. Jesus is no less than the Father, they are equal, they are both God, they are together united as one God, but still, Jesus is the Son, the Father is Father. And the Father gives Jesus these works for a reason. We see it in verse 23. God gives Jesus the work of life and the work of judgment, verse 23, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent Him. The Father gives these works to the Son so that you would honour the Son, so that you would honour the Son just like you honour the Father. That is, that you would honour Jesus as God, that you would honour Jesus as God, Now, if you think back to the response of the man Jesus healed and the response of the Jewish leaders, they didn't honour the Son as God. They tried to kill Him. It's probably the worst response you can have when you're meant to honour the Son. But at this point, John is asking us a question as well. He says, see the Jewish leaders, see the healed man, their response was wrong. What about you? Will you honour the Son? Do you honour Jesus as God? Imagine for a minute that uh, I was talking to one of your co-workers or whoever you sit next to at uni or your favourite barista or your brother or sister or someone who knows you really, really well. And I asked them, as a Christian, do you think so-and-so honours Jesus? Do they honour Jesus as God? What do you think they'd say? Would they say, oh, I didn't even realise they were a Christian? Or, I've never really heard them speak about Jesus, let alone honour Him, whatever that might mean. What would they say about how you act? Uh, They don't really act like how I imagine a Christian would act. 
act differently to what I imagined they would? Or would they say something like this? You know what? I don't get this Jesus thing at all, but I sure know that they love Jesus. And I know that Jesus is the most important person to them in their whole entire life. You see, Jesus has the work of giving life and the work of judge so that we would honour Him. He is the Son of God. So let's honour Him as the Son. Now, I'm moving on to my final point. In your handouts, resurrection now. And there's one last work that the Father gives the Son. And this is a big one. This passage shows us that Jesus will raise the dead. Jesus will raise the dead. Come with me to verse 28. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. There will be a time when Jesus' voice cries out over the whole earth, where every single person who has ever lived will rise from the grave. Those who are extremely wealthy, along with those who are poverty-stricken for their whole life. The person who died yesterday, along with the person who died 3,000 years ago. The worst of the worst criminal, along with the most saintly saint there ever has been. Every single person who has ever lived will rise from the grave at the sound of Jesus' voice. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a powerful voice. And it's at this moment when Jesus raises the dead, where He acts as judge, where His job as judge is on. He judges according to how people live. And He sends you to one of two destinations. Did you hear it? Those who have done what is good, well, they'll rise to live. That is, Jesus will give them life, the life He has in Himself, He will give to those who have done what is good, eternal life with God, with the Son, forever. But those who have done what is evil, they will rise to be condemned. Their judgment is condemnation. Doing what is good and doing what is evil, it may not be what you immediately imagine it might be. It's not about doing good things like helping Nana cross the road and picking up rubbish or whatever you think of. And bad things isn't about, well, I haven't murdered anyone, so I'm not that bad. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus has something in mind that He's already told us. Remember verse 23, Jesus has these works so would honour the Son. To do good is to honour Jesus as God. And what does that look like? Well, Jesus helpfully goes on in verse 24 to show us what that looks like. Have a look at verse 24 with me. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Those who believe have life. Those who believe have life. If you honour the Son you have life. See how they're the same thing? To believe Jesus is the Son of God is how you honour Jesus as the Son of God. To not believe Jesus is the Son of God is to dishonour the Son of God. That is what is truly evil. 
to dishonour the Son of God by not believing Him. But this now means that we can actually be confident in what happens after we die. Well, we know Jesus will raise everyone from the dead and we know that He'll judge us according to how we have lived, according to how we have honoured Him or not. Knowing this should change how we live, right? If it's going to rain outside, you grab an umbrella. If you have a choice of life or condemnation, go for life. If you're here with us and you haven't yet trusted in Jesus and you realise that you haven't been honouring Jesus as God, I hope you see that what lies ahead of you, it's not good, it's condemnation at the hands of Jesus the judge. But it's not too late, there's hope. Turn to Jesus, believe in Him, honour Him as the Son of God. He forgives you if you ask Him to. He will give you that life that He has promised. Now, if you're someone who does believe, who has chosen to honour Jesus as the Son of God, then you can be sure of what lies ahead. You have life. And that makes this life, this world, it kind of loses some of its shine. The good things of this world, they're not comparable to the good things of the life that is to come. So live your life now accordingly to the life that is to come. One way to do this is for you to devote yourself to serving, to serving the church, what we might call ministry. If possible, keep giving yourself more and more to ministry. Have you ever asked yourself, can I drop half a day of work so that I can give myself to this ministry more or I can pick up some more ministry? Or have you ever asked, can I say no to that job offer, which pays more, sure, but takes way more of my time, can I say no to that so I don't have to step out of ministry? Now, have a look at your circumstances and pray to God, ask for wisdom. Don't just, you know, tomorrow quit and turn up and go, hey, look, I'm ready to serve in any way I can. This takes wisdom, this takes thought, speak to Pete or the other pastors, speak to your CG leader, um, work this through, but do devote more and more of yourself to serving because it's not this life that matters, it's the one to come. I was really encouraged to hear actually that some of us went out this afternoon and started to speak to people about Jesus. What an awesome way to serve not just this community in here but the community out there that we're a part of by sharing Jesus with them. That was really encouraging to hear that. I really hope and I'm praying that we'd see some of those people at Easter. But do, because of the life that is ahead of you, commit yourself now more and more to serving God's people and to serving the world by sharing the light of Jesus. Now, I have one final thing to say tonight, or this afternoon or whatever you call it. If you do honour the Son... If you do believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then Jesus' promise in verse 24 is for you. And it's really, really good news. I'll read verse 24 again. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Did you notice the tense of that verse? Jesus doesn't say, you will have eternal life. Some down, down the track, I'll give it to you. 
No, he says, you have eternal life. You have it now. Your eternal life has already begun. You're already living your eternal life. Jesus says, you will not be judged. You've already been judged and found to be honouring the Son. You've already crossed over from death to life. And Jesus, He wins this for us when He crossed over from life to death. Jesus died on the cross. He paid the punishment that we deserve to secure our life forever. He crossed over from life to death so that we could cross from death to life. And did you notice that usually people cross from life to death, but not us. We're the other way around, death to life. Those who believe in Jesus, the Son of God, we are alive. We're more alive than anyone else around us who does not believe. We have eternal life and we're living it right now. That is good news. How about I pray? Father God, thank you so much that you sent your son, Jesus. Thank you that you revealed who you are to us through Jesus, that you are more than just one God, but you are one God in three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Thank you that you gave Jesus your work to do, that he gives life, that he is the judge and that he will raise everyone from the dead. I pray that as we are raised from the dead, we will be the people who have been found to honour Jesus as God, that we would now put our trust in Jesus, who has taken away our sin, who has given us life, and that we would live now according to the life we have been given. In Jesus' name, Amen.